In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We ask you now, O God, to use and rule over our thoughts and our words, so that it may be your word which is spoken and your word which is heard. Amen. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. There are, I think, two things that we all associate with this night, with this Holy Thursday, the Last Supper, when our Lord instituted the Eucharist, and in doing so instituted the priesthood of the New Covenant, and also what we just read in St. John's Gospel of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. But it probably comes as a surprise to most of us if we actually read the Gospel straight through, because we're so used to hearing snippets in, in the course of Mass. If we read the Gospel straight through, it, should, it will often surprise us that although these two things happen on the same night and indeed at the same meal, they do not appear together anywhere in the same scriptural narrative. The three synoptic Gospels are called synoptic because they see with one eye. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they generally follow the same story arc, although with different emphases. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have the institution narrative, the institution of the Eucharist within the context of this Last Supper meal, as does St. Paul in that reading from 1 Corinthians that we just, we just read as well. But they leave out the foot washing, with the possible exception of one oblique reference in Luke's account where our Lord says, I am among you as one who serves. So they focus on the institution of the Eucharist. But John does something different. John gives us the foot washing but leaves out the whole institution narrative. Now why does he do that? He does that, of course, because he wrote several decades after the others and he assumes that you've already read the others, so he's not going to spend too much time going over a lot of the same ground that the others have done. But he wants to go more deeply into a theological reflection on the person of Jesus Christ. He's, I imagine John, this old man at the end of his long life, reflecting, he's spent the last 60 years thinking about, meditating on the answer to that question that our Lord posed to his disciples, who do you say that I am? And John's Gospel is John the Evangelist's answer to that question. So, when he puts in events, episodes in our Lord's life that the others, for whatever reason, left out, he can't put everything in, um, he does that to emphasize this answer to this question, who is Jesus Christ? These two events, the institution of the Eucharist, and the washing of the disciples' feet are connected, even though, as I said, they do not occur together in the same scriptural narrative. They are connected because they are both examples of what in the Greek is called kenosis, the self-emptying of Christ. As he laid aside his divine prerogatives and humbled himself, to take on our human nature, and in our human nature, to suffer and die for us. There's a passage that comes up a lot in this sacred triduum 
from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians that really captures this beautifully. It's a fragment from an early Christian hymn on the incarnation and the passion. St. Paul writes, Though he was in his very nature God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Imagine this, the paradox of the all-powerful God, creator of the universe, laying aside everything to become a fetus in his mother's womb, and then later a helpless infant in his mother's arms. And even when he grew to man's estate, he didn't do so as some powerful king or emperor, but as a poor man from a downtrodden and oppressed people subject to a foreign empire. And then he spent three years, three years of his life, giving himself to the point of physical and spiritual exhaustion as he traveled all over the place, preaching and healing the sick. And in the end, he so emptied himself that the all-powerful, ever-living, immortal God allowed himself to be beaten to a bloody pulp, nailed to a cross, and the immortal God died on that cross. And he did this because, as St. John says in his first epistle, God is love. As the theologians say, God is pure act. What he is and what he does are the same thing. And what he does is give himself to the end, to the end of his life on earth and to the end of time. He did this on the cross, and he does this for us every time he makes himself present to us in the Blessed Eucharist. There's a line from one of Pope Benedict's sermons. It, actually, he was not Pope Benedict yet when he delivered it, but it, it fairly leaps from the page when you read it. He says, he became flesh so that he might become bread. The incarnation, the passion, and the Eucharist are all part of how Christ gives himself and continues to give himself, pouring out himself in love for us to the end of time. There's a clear and deliberate connection, you'll notice, between the Last Supper with his disciples and what happens on the following day on Calvary. Tonight, as we just read, Christ stripped himself of his outer garments and took on the role of a house slave, washing the feet of his disciples. And tomorrow, he will be stripped again, this time by his executioners and nailed to a cross. He strips himself of his divine prerogatives first in his incarnation, then he strips himself of his dignity as master and teacher in order to serve this ragtag band of twelve, including Judas, his betrayer. He serves him as a slave 
And then he allows himself the next day to be stripped of his last shred of human dignity and even of his very life. There's a little prayer that most of you may you never hear that the deacon says at the altar quietly as he mixes a drop of water into the chalice. He says, by the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in his divinity who humbled himself to share in our humanity. By our baptism and by our reverent reception of Holy Communion, we are transformed by him. He humbled himself and took on our human nature so that he could pull our human nature up into the divine life of the Blessed Trinity. And so Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, they all come together and everything is made new. We are made new by putting off our old sinful nature and its habits that lead to spiritual and physical death and we put on Christ. At every one of your baptisms, these words were said, you have put on Christ, in him you have been baptized. And there's another set of prayers that many of you will not hear because they're said, again, quietly, in the sacristy as the sacred ministers are putting on our vestments. As we put on each individual part of our vestments, one after another, we say a prayer. And that has a whole spirituality of putting aside me, because it's not about me. Putting aside me and putting on Christ. And so we deliberately submerge our own personalities. Metaphorically, we put on Christ so that Nathan Allen or Joseph Damiani, we, cease, we set aside who we are and become the icon of Christ the servant. And Father Moriarty, Father McConville, will put aside who they are, submerge their own identity into the identity that they take on of Christ the priest. Christ who is working and present in us, unworthy as we are through the sacrament of holy orders. For every deacon, therefore, every mass is Holy Thursday when Christ stripped himself of his garments to be the servant of all. And for every priest, every Mass is another Good Friday. When Christ was stripped of his garments and nailed to the cross, both priest and victim, in the infinite sacrifice when Almighty God offered himself to himself and all creation was redeemed. And for each one of you, each one of us, Christian people, both clergy and laity, every Mass is another Easter. For we have died with Christ in baptism and have risen with him to newness of life. And all of this because we have a God who never ceases to give himself, pouring himself out in one continuous act of love now and to the end of time. Though he was in his very nature God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself 
and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.